But the question really comes down to when are you getting Wesley Snipes to be your spokesperson? There's worse things out tonight than vampires. Like what? Like me. Welcome to the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. Today's guest is Paul Travers. Paul is the founder of Musix and has served as the president and chief executive officer since 1997. Prior to the formation of Musix, Mr. Travers founded both eTech Labs and Fort Technologies Inc. He has been a driving force towards the development of products in the consumer market. With more than 25 years experience in consumer electronics field and 15 years experience in virtual reality and virtual display fields, he is a nationally recognized industry expert. He's joined by Vuzix Head of Business Development, Matt Margolis. If you want to learn more about the Vuzix platform and their headsets, you can visit Vuzix.com, V-U-Z-I-X.com. Paul and Matt, welcome to the show, guys. Hey, Alan. Thanks for having us. It's my absolute honor. You guys are making augmented reality headsets that people actually will want to wear. And I think it's amazing. Your blade glasses look like a pair of awesome sunglasses. They're lightweight. They're wireless. They're every. They're all the things. How long has it taken you guys to get there? I mean, you started in 1997. You must have gone through massive iterations along the way. Yeah, Alan. I mean, we've made all the, all the big stuff, the crazy things. And it really started in 93 or 4 when we started shipping our very first VR headset, the VFX1. And if you look it up, you'll you'll see VFX1. It's a football helmet-sized gizmo. Um, and then in 97, actually, I bought out all the outside shareholders and started Musix. A um, little bit of history there. We started in the defense space. We were making thermal weapon site engines that go in the back of the light, medium, heavy thermal weapon site programs for DRS and Raytheon. And doing that, we got an opportunity to work with the special forces guys. And if you think about it, these guys are carrying around 300 pounds of gear. They got their laptop. They're basically the ultimate mobile wearable tech guy. And at night, they would light up like a Christmas tree. So they put a poncho over their head. They had all this gear on and they came to Vuzix and said, look, could you guys make a pair of Oakley style sunglasses? They called it the Oakley Gate, and they said if we could do that, half the military would buy these things. And so even all the way back then, it was 97 to 2000, these special forces guys wanted cool. They wanted lightweight. They wanted it truly functional. And so over the years, we've come out with a lot of different devices. In each iteration, we've been pushing on making them smaller and lighter. We were talking a little bit earlier about the top-down versus bottom-up approach. I mean, there's some really cool technology that's out there that's doing all spatial computing and the likes, but it's big. And for Vuzix, we're taking the lightweight, trim, wearable, all-day side of it, but highly functional. When you're looking for streaming video applications where you're doing see what I see for maintenance, repair, and overhaul, or you're in a warehouse all day long picking stuff out of that warehouse, you don't want a great big heavy thing. You want a super lightweight device that you can wear all day long. So at the end of the day, you don't have headaches from just sporting the stupid thing. I I can totally relate there. The HoloLens, while a wonderful device, man, it's so front heavy. And they fixed a little bit on the two, but these are things that it's not acceptable to wear something that heavy on your face for work. It's just not acceptable and is going to cause problems. So by taking the weight off and creating a device that frankly is sexy. I mean, people want to wear these glasses. They're awesome. 
Thanks, Alan. We I appreciate that. And it's the keys to success. I think if if you put it on in a half an hour, you want to take it off. Um, that's a fail. And most companies will never deploy that. There's a lot of companies doing experiments, but the ones that are finally getting to deploy are the guys that literally can give it to their employees and they'll use it all day. And if they do use it, they get an ROI that can be significant by doing it. And that doesn't need full up spatial computing in many, many cases. You can do a lot. Most of them. <laughs> yeah, most of them don't. I mean, we're talking, you got a person, they're using a tablet or a phone, but they're mobile workers. They have to use their hands. That's the spot where Vuzix is at. We are working to help those mobile workers, getting them in a position to where they got access to the information, but they don't have to hold a tablet in their hand to get it. And, and that's, that's the areas where Vuzix is seeing success and starting to see some pretty significant rollouts. And 2020 is going to be amazing. And I think you'll see even through the rest of 2019, there's a bunch of really cool deployments that are starting to happen around these kinds of lightweight wearable computing devices. So you you said that 20 years ago, the military is like, if you make an Oakley pair of sunglasses, we'll buy them all. Fast forward 20 years and are, are is the military one of your biggest customers? They haven't been actually, because believe it or not, around eight or seven years ago, something like that, we sold our defense division. We haven't really been in the defense space. However, the partners that we sold it to, um, we renegotiated the relationship a little bit. We had it, we gave them an exclusive. They're now partnering with us beyond that exclusive. And so in the last eight or nine months, the defense side of our business, they've been actually now coming to Vuzix in a big way. There's a couple of things that Vuzix brings to the table. First of all, in first responder marketplace, our current products are really starting to open up some cool doors. First responders, security markets and the like, and we can share a bit more about that in a bit. But Let's unpack that for a second because uh, one of the things you, you have on the front page of your website is Vuzix smart glasses get automatic facial recognition designed for law enforcement. Yeah. That's awesome. I want police to be able to look at somebody and detect whether they're a threat or not. That's a no-brainer. It is, and I know that it can be a controversial topic, but if you look at the cross-section of America today and look at some of these large venues where somebody shows up sporting some weapons that are designed really for, I wouldn't say weapons of mass destruction, but you know, when you can- Not nice things. Yeah, many, many rounds in a minute. You'd like to think that those kinds of folks, there's some weapons that you can use against them. and. For security folks in large venues where maybe there's 20,000 people showing up for the concert, they give these security guys a book of pictures and say, remember these folks, and they're the ones we don't want getting through the gate, right? And it's like, really? So what they're doing now is they're using glasses like Buzix's glasses with the cameras built in, and or we have companies, partners like Sword, who have a separate sensor head, effectively, that works with an iPhone, and that transmits the feeds to the glasses. And now you have an AI engine that can help you pick out these people of interest in the crowd. And um, it's not about recording folks who might be coming in the front gates. It's about simply helping these guys that are trying to do a good job of preventing the bad guys from getting into these venues. And it's a, a great example. We have guys that are doing it with servers that you, a wearable computing server that like goes on your belt that have upwards of a million faces in the database and running in real time frame rates. You know, if there's upwards of 15 pictures 
in a frame of video, it will within a second determine if one of those people is in the database. So it's pretty good there. And then there's other folks. That- and if you unpack that just a little bit further, this kind of eliminates personal biases as well. You're using AI to identify potential threats. You're not using AI to say, okay, you look like you're from Iran, so I should pull you over. Like This is actually a much better tool than just giving some photos to some people and saying, here, pick these ones out of a haystack. Yeah, It's crazy. You're absolutely right. And I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but to some people, some people all look the same. Oh, that's true. Well, listen, you got 20,000 people. They all look the same. They look like a bunch of faces. Yeah, so they do. being able to laser target um, people of interest, I think, is big. Let's move on from, unless there's anything else you want to talk about with first responders, because I think there's also some stuff in the medical, like the first responders from the medical standpoint. Yeah, well, that's where I was going to actually continue the conversation. So there are this whole idea of you're in a, an emergency truck and this particular person has a problem that you don't know how to deal with. They're starting to use our glasses to stream real time to a doctor and the doctor can help before the ambulance trucks even gets there with certain treatments so that, and, and time counts in these situations when it comes to saving lives, as you can imagine. We're also doing that same thing with companies like One Minute where they're doing remote telemedicine where you've got a person who has a, degree, a basic degree to treat people and to nurse people, but they don't have enough to be able to know whether or not that person should be visiting the hospital. So they're remotely in the field and then a doctor will call in and diagnose and say, look, give them a aspirin, we'll see them in the morning, or get them in an ambulance. This is actually a critical thing. So remote medicine from that perspective and from training, you have a doctor who's doing an operation and there's 15 people seeing through his eyes as you're streaming HD video out of the glasses while he's looking at the operation in real time. So there's many, many applications in the medical space that are starting to be used around our glasses. Medical seems to be that sweet spot that XR in general, virtual augmented reality, mixed reality, seems to be a really good use case. And it, it's it's unlocking huge potential to save lives. And that's really, really important. Yeah. And wonderful. So what are some other use cases of these glasses? So let, let's just talk about the different types of glasses that you have first, because I know you've got the Vuzix Blade, which are these sexy Oakley-like looking glasses. Then you've got your more industrial use cases for the M400 glasses. What are the differentiators between the different glasses and what are the use cases that you're seeing in the field? So we, all the way back to when the Special Forces guys asked if we could make Oakley-style sunglasses, Vuzix has been working on the optics and the display engine technology to get to that point to where these things can look like Oakley-style sunglasses. And, And I have to say, what we're doing today is pretty darn awesome for sure, but we've got next generation tech, which we can again talk about in a minute here, but it's it's going to take yet again another step towards cutting the frame sizes down, the look and feel of these get even sexier, but that has our waveguide tech in it, and it does have this sort of cool look and feel, and the optics are different than the M series enterprise products that we make in that they're optically see-through. So when you put the blade on, it's like wearing a regular pair of sunglasses. But, but floating out in front of you, just like the HUD on a car or a fighter pilot's cockpit, images just float out in space. And so they're real trim-looking glasses, Android, everything built into them, but they're optically see-through. Now, on the enterprise side today, the M-series products, we started with the M100, moved to the M300, which was Intel-based, and just recently announced the M400, which is Qualcomm's XR1 series 
silicon inside and it uses an occluded display. Now this is like looking through a camcorder. The thing that's okay. really nice about the M400 is, you know, you're looking through this thing and the image quality is pitch black. The contrast ratio I think is 10,000 to one because it has an old wow. in it. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And the camera that looks out the front is a, Matt, is it 12 megapixel camera? 13, 13 megapixel camera, image stabilized, autofocus. It's just, it's just beautiful also. And you put these two things together, working in concert with this XR1 processor, you can do some amazing stuff. Streaming video today on the M300 series, not that I'm throwing it under the bus, but it's, it works really hard to do even a, a wide VGA stream at 20 or 30 frames a second. The M400, it can do 720p, 30 frames a second, snap, snap, snap. It's like it's just beautiful. And it records 4K video at the same time. So it's like having a digital camcorder with 4K recording capabilities. I mean, this thing is a racehorse. So, okay, so let's just stop there for one second. So the M400s have a 4K camera in the front. They have a 720 display inside. So why would you want that? And I actually interviewed um, the team at uh, PTC today, which kind of goes really hand in hand with this because one of their killer applications is their Vuforia chalk um, system where you can kind of uh, have an expert, like you said, maybe a doctor or a team of doctors looking over your shoulder, not really over your shoulder, but they're literally looking through your eyes because they're able to use that 4K camera to project back and give information real time as needed to the person in the field. And I think this is a use case that's going to unlock a huge amount of value for enterprise clients. Because if you're in a in a factory and that machine, whatever it is you happen to be working on goes down, downtime can be anywhere from $1,000 uh, to millions of dollars an hour. And being able to pull an expert up and, and have somebody that's already there on the field, not having to fly somebody in, this is huge. And your glasses enable that. They do. And they do an amazing job. I would suggest they're probably the most state-of-the-art pair of glasses on the street today that can do this. Because the XR1, the processing, the graphics processing capabilities, everything built in there and that beautiful camera that we have, it just, it's really hard to compete with this one. And there's probably 10 companies that do remote support software using our glasses. Vuzix has its own sort of modest one called Vuzix Remote Assist. Um, okay. Then there are guys like PTC that actually can do the rendering on top of the camera image to give you a augmented image that does this chalk thing where you actually circle stuff and the likes and it stays locked. Yeah. And in fact, the Vuforia side of the stuff from PTC, you can look at a an engine and have the oil filter highlighted telling you that that's got to come off first. It can put torque specs on the engine and they can be all locked to it in real time. So you can do the remote assist, but you can also do call avoidance with stuff like that, where you have the glasses on and you're working it through on your own on this piece of equipment. Oh, that's right. Because, you know, and once you have somebody doing an assist for one, because it's recording everything. Yes. So you can use that assist as the general assist for anybody that does that. So before they even call somebody... They can help. Them. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there's a lot of companies that they're first, they have a lot of equipment in the field, right? And they don't want to have 
a 500 tech support guys all waiting for a phone call. They want people to be able to do it first. So they like the call avoidance side of it. But to your point, think about you're on an oil rig and on the oil rig, the equipment goes down. That tech can't just willy nilly make a fix, right? Because if he does it wrong, the rig could blow up and you end up with another Gulf of Mexico mess on your hands. And so there's all kinds of protocols that go into the fix that gets done. Normally what would happen was a $50,000 custom jet helicopter ride out to get the thing fixed in the middle of the Gulf. And two or three days later, it's finally back up and running and it's millions of dollars a day versus being able to do this remote assist call and do the instructions on the fly. You can do it in literally hours in a comparison. So remote assist is going to be a very big piece of business. And it's anywhere from case equipment, big tractors in the field to companies that are looking at bundling our glasses with the gla- with their equipment so that there's a way to get tech support without having to put somebody on an airplane. It's interesting you say that. I'm speaking at a, a printing conference uh, this week and my original presentation was talking about bringing print to life with AR and that sort of thing. And as I started to, to, to think about it, I was like, these are people that are making printers, big format printers and stuff. They're not really all that concerned about bringing print to life. They want to make sure that their machines can be fixed fast. And printing is one of those, if anybody's ever had to unjam a printer, a complicated printer, it's a pain in the ass. This is a tool that can give those manufacturers an upper hand in, in keeping those machines up and running faster. Yes, no doubt about it. That's the remote support side of this. And you can imagine market after market after market where these kinds of things are. The ROI is measured in one use. It's paid for itself. Yeah. Well, 10 times over. I mean, the cost of the glasses is the M400 is $1,500. That's like a second of downtime in an oil rig. Right, right. And I think one of the things you should notice here through many of these descriptions, again, I'm not trying to throw the competition under the bus here, but full up spatial computing just is not required. That's why we prefer this, you know, the ground up approach where we're putting, we're putting the right technology in to deliver an experience that's required to solve problems today first. Ultimately, we're convinced this tech is going to shrink. It's going to come down. It's going to end up being like, the Kingsman style glasses, but the technology, there's, there's work that needs to get done before you can do that in a form factor that gives you everything that you want. Plus has that look and feel. I have a a really great pair of North glasses. That's, that's a step in the right direction in some way. A step in the right direction, but the field of view is, is so small. It's actually not that useful. And it has a pupil that's so tiny that if your eyeball gets moved off the glasses in any direction, you lose the image. And I had to go and get them refitted the other day because you get them and you start showing people and people got big fat heads and stuff. And all of a sudden I put them on, I can't see anything anymore. And there's a very, very small sweet spot where your eye has to be perfectly aligned with the image. I mean, that's not useful for for enterprise at all. No, there's there's a mix. There's a nice mix between field of view, the one size fits all side of it and the technology that does full up spatial computing, which is big, bulky, all in thing. So there's a, there's the right spot to be where it's highly functional, but it's also highly wearable. And that's where Vuzix is pushing to be right in the middle, right? You're right in that sweet spot. Yes. So let's talk about the blade then, because those things are, 
what is the difference? So the blade you're kind of able to see right through? Yes. Well, so if you wouldn't mind, let me take a step back to the M400. Sure. Um, sure. Please do. We talked about a few applications there, like the remote system, yeah. remote support. In the whole world of logistics, there's big opportunities coming here also. The world okay. of, of brick and mortar is like every other time you turn around, another Sears is going out of business. And it's because of companies like Amazon that are out there and everybody's buying online and using FedEx as the logistics partner. Yep. But there's a lot of brick and mortars, if you think about it, that in North America alone have thousands and thousands of stores that effectively are an amazing distribution channel already. And devices like these glasses can enable employees in those stores to become pickers. So guys like some of these big retailers are getting themselves in a position to where they can compete with the online guys because they have distribution already in hand. They just need to turn their stores into picking warehouses. Wow, that's an amazing use case. You're going to see a lot of it coming up. See, these companies aren't all rolling over to Amazon, frankly. No, of course not. And that's, again, you can use a form factor. And in fact, in some cases, they want kind of this technology looking form factor so that when people come in the stores and see people picking, they want them to be perceived as an advanced sort of forward looking companies and those kinds of things. So the M series products has a bunch of things in enterprise that range from warehouse picking, work instructions, remote support, right on through to people even turning around aircraft at the airport. There's many, many applications that are coming pretty exciting. And with the blade, nice roll into that here, it, it has this look and feel that's starting to be a normal looking sunglass style design. And it delivers an experience much like the original videos that Google came out with for Google Glass. Mm -hmm. It's got this nice field of view out in front of you. You're in the library. It's telling you where your friend might be in the library instructions walking down the street, all of those kinds of things, but not in this little tiny field of view that's up in your right-hand corner of the glasses. It's right out in front of you, very comfortable. You turn the glasses off. It's absolutely clear to look through. You turn it on, you get this beautiful imagery that's out there. And it's done because Vuzix has waveguide technology that we've been working on now for years. All right. I've read a lot about waveguide. I still don't really understand it. Can you walk us through the, the basics of waveguide? Yeah. So this is how it works. You'd have a, a lens, it's flat, but it looks a lot like the outline of a regular pair of glasses lenses. And what we do is we put a little hologram that's really a surface relief grading hologram to kind of equate to the same thing in some ways. But the bottom line is it's these little 150 nanometer deep, 300 nanometer pitch scratches on the surface of the glass. It's a little tiny round circular dot, maybe two or three millimeters in diameter. And we project a light from a display of projector, just like the projector, the front projector that you use in your living room to watch movies. But it's tiny, custom built by Vuzix. And if you were to point that thing at the wall, you'd see an image up on the wall. Well, we inject that into that little two to three millimeter circle. And when it hits the circle, it bends into the glass itself. So now you got a one millimeter thick piece of glass that the light is bouncing away from your eye towards your eye and propagating towards the bridge of your nose. So it's in your temple, bouncing around back and forth. And at some point in time, it hits another set of gratings in front of your eye that allows the light to leak out and project this image out in space. So this really thin piece of glass, 
you've injected this image into it. And instead of projecting out onto the wall, you project it out in front of you through this waveguide. And because of the way our input and output pupils work on this, you can put your eye anywhere in the output set of gratings and see this image. So unlike North, where they have a little tiny pupil, this thing's got as big as we want to make it. it. It can be an inch by an inch. It can be the whole the whole glass and anywhere you look through it, you see this image out in space in front of you. So they're very, very forgiving. And the field of view is defined by the projection engine that injects the light into it and a bunch of other things. But for simplicity's sake, let's just say that's it. So with that, you can get small displays, thin optics, and put them in form factors that start to look like regular glasses. And that give you much, much forgiving um, display systems. So you, you want you one size fits all, you put them on and the image is just beautifully out there. Um, so we put that in the blade on our first version. We have another version of the blade that's coming, blade two, which has got even sexier front end on it. Um, and then if you project down the road a little ways, we're developing some display engines that will be a third of the size of our current display engines. And they'll be a fraction of the power. We're talking like two watts versus 200 milliwatts for a fully lit up engine. So it's a significant reduction in power, huge drop in sizes, and nothing but sexier and more sexy over time here. Now the blade itself, because it's got this really cool form factor, it's opening up opportunities um, from enterprise to prosumer that just haven't been there before because it's finally a pair of glasses that people would actually wear. And we talked early on about the security marketplace. Security is one of them. I mean, you know, wearing HoloLens as a security officer. <laughs> you look like an idiot. Yeah, it just, right. You won't be taken seriously with that. Um, but the question really comes down to when are you getting Wesley Snipes to be your spokesperson? It's so funny you say that. We were at CES last year and the guys, I don't know where they were, but they happened to run into him. When, when he was there, right? When they were there at the show and they showed him the glasses because they're the blade, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and he just loved them. And we got a couple of pictures with him wearing them. And stuff. Oh, but so he, cool. He won't let us. He's like, well, you really probably shouldn't because he didn't really own that trade name, right? So, yeah. but yeah, no, he, he'd be a great spokesman for it. And then they looked good <laughs> on him at the same time, so. That's awesome. Yeah, I figured you know, like that is literally his mo is those glasses and like <laughs> it's perfect. They are actually. <laughs> We're almost made after him, frankly. And I, I love the the passion of your team to track them down and get them to try them on. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, they're my my guys are proud of what we're doing here. We we've been at it for a long time. Most of the folks here have been with me up through it all. Although I will admit we've gone from twenty employees to eighty in the last three or four years. Wow. But, you know, everybody's a shareholder here and they're all very proud of the fact that we're doing this really cool stuff and quite frankly, competing with some of the biggest names out there today. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. But I mean, the work you guys are doing is is pioneering not only the technology side, but the adoption side. You know, I, I keep saying it's not a technology problem anymore. We got the technology. It's an adoption problem. We got to get people to buy these things and use them in their, and I think it starts with enterprise, obviously. Yeah, we're with you. I mean, even the blade right now at a thousand bucks a piece is, they're not really inexpensive. So 
and it's mostly enterprises that are using them. But I have to admit, I love to fly drones now, and it's because of my blade. Ah, so cool. It, you know, it's really cool because you can look through the glasses, see the drone flying out in front of you, and at the same time get the video feed through the glasses. Oh, my God, that's so cool. Yeah, and it's with a single connection to the controller, or you can run it Wi-Fi, wireless, to the glasses. And so it's it's really a cool way to fly a drone. Oh, man, this is so cool. I, I've actually tried the DJI uh, drone pilot goggles or whatever, the VR ones. Yeah. Oh, my God, they're so nauseating. <laughs> yes, I think most special person to get inside that thing. A lot of those were designed for the racer guys, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah I, it's oof. Okay, so one of the, the backbones of any hardware product is software. And without a solid software operating system, you really have nothing. And I know you guys have been working hard on your operating systems. Um, do you want to talk to, to us about the VuesXblade OS? Sure. I mean, we have done a lot. First of all, it's based on standard Android. And the cool thing about the M400 is it's the latest version of Android. And I think you'll see all the way out to 10 supported. Um, but yeah, we build our own launcher and a lot of custom UI based interfaces. We have a ton of software on our developer site, on our website. We have tier one and tier two support for people who are writing applications for the Blade and or the M400, quite frankly. Um, and so there's all these applications out there, et cetera. And by the way, on that front, since we're here, we do have a developer contest with upwards of $110,000 worth of prizes. I think November the 4th is when it ends and it's around the blade. There's gosh, a pile of people that have signed up to develop software for it. Anybody who wants to do that, if they put in an application that works with the glasses, it, there's kind of some minimum standard there. You can't just see have hello world on the thing, but They'll win, a, they'll win a free blade also. And so it's a great opportunity to get in the game, to learn about it, and to have your expenses covered for the cost of the hardware and stuff if you put the app in. So Incredible. On that software front, if you go to our developer site, you'll see there's a graphical styles, recommended styles, much like an iPhone and an Android have certain ways icons should look and et cetera. All that stuff is out there. There's... Even shortly, there's going to be Owen VIF security camera driver support examples out there. There's all kinds of demos and examples of streaming video for security applications and the likes. Basically, to get started, there's a ton of stuff out there. And the OS itself has been completely reworked to run in our form factors at the same time with APIs for voice input and the likes, APIs for barcode scanning, QR code scanning and the likes also available. You can read barcode scanning as well with it? Yeah, we have we work with a bunch of companies that actually have barcode scanning software that they've written that they're just selling them as tools. And we also work with like zebra crossing and the like. And the drivers are built in with a common set of API calls. So if you're using QR code scanning or barcode scanning for either just simple login kinds of things, right on through to barcode scanning in a warehouse, there are tools available to just make function calls to our glasses to, to do that. Even when you pair it to your phone on the Blade, let's say. So the, the Blade's got a full ecosystem that's been written for it. There's a companion app that runs on your phone. When you pair the two, you literally put the companion app on your phone. It practically comes up in pairing mode and it puts a QR code on the phone itself, and you look at it with the glasses turned on, with the camera running, and boom, it does the pairing automatically. 
So it's really, really simple to connect it to your phone. And it'll run with Android and or iOS phones. There's a companion app for both. And that companion app allows you to easily push notifications and stuff from your phone, from any application that might receive notifications to the glasses. So if you're walking down the street and a text message comes in, the glasses wake up and the text message comes up on the glasses, just like it might on a smartwatch. Or turn-by-turn turn instructions can come up and do the same thing in the glasses. You can also turn those alerts on and off. But as you run the companion app, you can select what you want messaging from so you're not swamped. Because some people have messaging from LinkedIn, messaging from Twitter. Yeah, it can be overwhelming. Bling, 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 You've bling, bling. <laughs> Actually, one, one of the things that I thought was really uh, an interesting feature that North Glasses just pushed out, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, was basically they turn off notifications when they detect that you're having a conversation with somebody. And I thought that was really interesting because the last thing you want is to distract when you're actually having a physical one-to-one -one conversation with somebody. But you ever be in a meeting and people are checking their phones, but even worse is the watch. People will be checking their smartwatch while talking to you. And you're talking to someone and all of a sudden you ask them a question and they're not there anymore. They've kind of drifted off to check their messages on their watch. And glasses are going to get even worse. So I think having that functionality of knowing when you're having a conversation with somebody to focus on the people in front of you, I think that's a I rather like that too. And you can tell people wearing our glasses, they get into the glasses. And although I will say walking in New York City and the likes with your face buried in your phone, this can be a better experience than that. I mean, for, for instance, Yelp, trying to find a restaurant instead of your head down, et cetera, with this, the glasses on, you just look and it tells you as you're looking the restaurant, there's one on the other side of the building. It'll tell you that it's over there and you can get just by looking and walking in the direction that you're looking, you get information that's related to the world around you. So in those cases, it kind of makes the real world work better. <laughs> that's the whole idea behind AR in the end. Um, and even though it's simple AR, Yelp works really well in our glasses for that kind of an application. I do like the whole, I'm talking turn off notifications while this person that's close to me is talking. That's a, that's an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, you can probably, I don't know, like they don't have a camera on the glasses. So I'm assuming it's just based on your talking, but uh, you guys have a camera so you could literally do facial recognition and say, okay, somebody's within three feet of me. Don't show displays when yeah. there's a conversation going in, there's somebody in front. I think, I think it's a great feature. Your display is a uh, mono display, right? So it's in one eye. Yes, that's correct. It's in one eye. So you've got the, the, display in one eye, and then you've got the camera in the other. What are your, and then this is a little bit off topic, what are your concerns around people driving with these technologies? The number of car companies that have every intention of implementing AR and glasses inside the car is surprising to me. But I have mm. to say, a heads-up display can make things much more situationally aware. For instance, we are working with some motorcycle companies and if you look down at your motorcycle's console to see how fast you're going, or to maybe look at your phone for directional information that's mounted up on the front, mm -hmm. that time to look down and look back up, you can be in the middle of an accident. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the glasses on, if the imagery is floating down the road, you don't have to look anywhere except down the road in the same focal point that your eyes are looking safely down the road with. And so they can be much more situationally aware than looking down, even in a car, you look down at your dashboard on the right to look at the map, that's taking your eyes off the road. 
Whereas yeah. the HUD in my car, it's all in the HUD and I can just look down the road. I think the same thing is going to be true with glasses and it'll get better with glasses because the camera feeds and stuff that are around the outside of almost every car, collision avoidance, all of that, that stuff will be able to be portrayed in your glasses. So when you look to the right, you can literally look right through the car as if the quarter panels weren't there and stuff. So it's about being situationally aware. Now, I'd be the first guy to say that watching Netflix driving down the road is not going to happen. Yeah, it's probably a bad idea. In this case, you, there's going to be driving modes, just like there is in your car now, and your phone will not do certain things when you're driving down the road. You'll see the same thing happen in glasses, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I mean, when I first got the North glasses, I was walking down the street, and I, I almost walked into some poor woman because mm. I was paying attention to the little image and not my situational awareness. That I only did that once. <laughs> I have to, it was in, within the first hour. <laughs> yeah, you learn that pretty quick, but I will say that – I think binocular mm. systems, this gets way better. Monocular systems, what happens is the display engine image gets put out in space somewhere horizontally left to right. And based upon where that is, even your convergence system, it ha your eyes have a tendency when they're looking at something that's only in one eye to look as if that's where it's going to converge out in space, left and right. Yeah. Based on focus. So there's there are some disparity issues with focus and with convergence, et cetera, that most of that gets way better if the images are at infinity, they're focused at infinity, and they're binocular. So I, I think you'll see binocular systems in the long run will be the better way to do this. But the display engines today currently are way too big to make really sexy glasses binocular just yet. But that's going to change so fast your head spins, Alan. <laughs> you know, I, I'm taking the long view on all of this. I, I'm saying, okay, 2025, we'll have some AR glasses that are magically hollow lens with all of the bells and whistles, but in the form factor of the views explained. Yeah. yeah. And maybe sooner. <laughs> hey, I'm going to go with 2025. If it's sooner, great. That's awesome. Nobody's Nobody ever really... Uh, slams you for making predictions too soon <laughs> or, or too far out. They always kill you if you make a prediction too early. You know the story of the frog that was sitting in the water and it slowly turns the heat up and it wasn't smart enough to jump out? Yep. This industry is going to happen like that. All of a sudden, it's going to look back and say, holy macro, look how far we've come. This is amazing now. Okay, let's just put our look how far we've come hat on for a second here. In 2014... I tried VR for the first time and I ended up with a an HTC, the pre, the first one. And I mean, that thing was like a giant fish tank on your head. Even like Pimax, they've got this VR headset, this 8K VR headset, but it's like strapping a 20-inch monitor to your face. We're going to look back at this and, and laugh, but if you look at where we've come in VR for spe specifically, we've gone from these giant supercomputer-driven things to the Quest, which is a standalone headset, wide field of view, all the four-hour four batteries, all the rest of it, in three years. Yeah. And AR glasses, I mean, the Vuzix Blade, that is a pair of glasses that you can wear all day, every day, and that didn't exist four years ago. I mean, you, you guys were probably working on it, but it wasn't something that you could commercially buy, and now it's available. And it's just happening faster and faster and faster. It's very true. And the optic systems are getting better along the way. And with micro LED coming, the display engines are going to shrink huge. And when you only light up the pixel that you want, power consumption is going to go through the floor. I'm telling you, man, Kingsman's... And then you power all that 
using cloud computing and 5G. Right. My, my last interview was with uh, Sandro Taveras from Nokia. And they build the 5G infrastructure that we'll all rely on. And it's, uh, it's interesting how if you factor out, let, let's call it 2025 or push it out to 2030. We all wear glasses. The glasses are super lightweight. The compute power is in the cloud, not on our face. So they're super light, super cheap. And now our mission, uh, we're, we're launching a new company next year. And the, the mission of the company is to democratize education globally by 2037. So if you, if you buy into the fact that we'll wear glasses in 10 years, those glasses will be running on the cloud, add another five years to figure out how to make content at scale. And we should be able to theoretically give away the world's most advanced, efficient, effective training and education to every human on earth. Yeah. For literally nothing. That's a great vision. And and I, I could agree with that. Great. Cause I, then I don't think I'm so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, Alan, connecting the digital world to the real world is going to change so many things coming up. I agree. I mean, there's a lot of people that say to me, I'm never going to give up my phone. And my mom still has a wired connection to her phone, to the wall. So I can't discount all of that. But you are going to be able to do things that just can't be done any other way. And there are going to be so many people that want to do those things. They won't go back to a phone. They might still have a phone in their pocket for other use cases. But these things that are coming are game changing. Agreed. And you know what? Listen, we still have TVs. VR is not going to replace TVs. AR is not going to replace your smartphone. TVs and computers didn't replace books, even though tablets, hardcover books still outsell digital copies. So when we invent new communication mediums, it doesn't replace the previous one other than color TV replacing black and white TV. But majority of times they don't replace previous communication mediums. It just makes a new one. Yeah. Radio is a case in point. Yeah. We still have radios in every car. Yeah. We still use a printing press and like these technologies didn't go away. They just became part of a complete communications toolbox. Yep. And I think your music's glasses are one tool in an arsenal that is creating enormous value right now for enterprises. Well, it's off to a good start at Vuzix. I mean, it's been long years in the making, but finally it's reached that point of critical mass. And I'm looking forward to this fall to start sharing with more folks some of the things that are happening in that regard. Well, I can't wait to see all the cool stuff that's coming out, and uh, I can't wait to get our views explained. I'm uh, pretty excited to start building some cool stuff on it. So thank you so much for taking the time to share the information about Vuzix and to share your passion for this as well. It, it really comes through. Yeah, thanks, Alan. We, I, we like to tell the story, so we appreciate <laughs> guys like you to help us get the word out around Vuzix too. Thank well, it's a great story. You guys have been in it from the beginning and grinding it out because I know what it's like to, to build hardware. Hardware is, there's a reason it's called hardware because it's hard. <laughs> Today. <laughs> you know, I promised my wife, I said, we will never make hardware again. And uh, I've stuck true to that promise, but uh, it's one of those things that I, I, I tip my hat to you guys because you've taken on a, a world-class challenge and you've met it with all success. So I wish you all the best in it. Yes, thank you very much, Alan. We appreciate that. My pleasure. And thank you everyone for listening. This has been the XR for Business podcast with your host, Alan Smithson. This podcast is another incredible example of how XR technologies are revolutionizing businesses across every industry. To learn more about the important work that Paul and Matt and their team at Vuzix is doing, 
you can visit Vuzix.com. Paul, Matt, thank you so much, guys. You bet. Thank you. Unfortunately, Matt had to leave early, so oh, it's I'll, okay. I'll sign off for him. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Paul. You bet. Being an influencer on LinkedIn in the XR field uh, really has opened up an opportunity for us to not only understand what corporations are looking for in virtual augmented mixed reality and artificial intelligence, but also from the aspect of the startups, studios, developers, and enthusiasts out there and what they need. So what we decided to do after getting hundreds and hundreds of messages is to open up XR Ignite to the entire XR community of startups, studios, individuals, passionate people, and really to build a new community that brings together everybody who's passionate about this technology for a low cost and allow them to contribute, to learn, and to get better across the whole industry. That is really the reason why we started XR Ignite, to hyper-accelerate the XR for business industry, business and education. And one of the things that we just keep noticing is that there's so many resources out there. There's the VRAR Association, which we're partners with. There are you know, reports coming out daily, but there's no one source where people can come together and start just having conversations around how to get better in this industry. And that's why we started XR Ignite. I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're in the corporate side, if you're a startup, if you're an individual, if you're an enthusiast, sign up today at xrignite.com and you'll be getting access to new reports, investor lists, media lists, exclusive content, interviews with our mentors. We have over 56 mentors. And if you're a startup and you pay an annual fee, you'll actually have the opportunity to book a one-on-one, -on one-hour call with one of the mentors. What we're doing with that is we're actually recording those sessions, we're transcribing them, taking out any personal information, and we're making those transcripts available to all members. So I think XR Ignite is gonna drive a lot of value for anybody in this industry who's looking to up their game and also for corporates who want a real insight as to what technology is coming out. So I would encourage everybody to sign up at xrignite.com and I really look forward to driving value, executing on our mission to hyper-accelerate XR for business and education.